Welcome to the Man Child Chronicles podcast, where four friends talk entertainment, fatherhood, and sports, all with sarcasm, comedic timing, and a healthy dose of toxic masculinity. Let's welcome our hosts, Ryan, John, Mike, and Jay. Growing up never took so long. Welcome in, cronies, to the Man Child Chronicles podcast. I'm your host, Ryan, here with my three best friends, Michael, John, and Jay. And today we're going to do a draft of movies with songs, and it's going to result in a new thing we'll explain later. And we're going to play Two Truths and a Lie. But first, we have some movie reviews to do from last week's Movie Roulette. Did you guys enjoy your movies? First of all, how dare you not ask how I'm doing? There's not been an e- a podcast episode yet where you have not asked me how I'm doing. Okay, Ask me I, how I'm doing, Ryan. Sorry. Jay, how are you doing today? John? Hey, I'm do- doing pretty good, Ryan. Thanks every for asking, week, buddy. Every week he asks us how we're doing, and we're always and, quiet. And, and, today, and today, Michael has something that he wants to say, and he doesn't ask. And this is what this is coming from. So, Mike, Mike how are you doing, man? How are you doing today, man? You okay, exactly buddy? what I thought. And there it is. <laughs> I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Thought I'd try great. something new so we didn't have so much editing for you to do of no, nothingness going on. I love editing. I don't know why you guys don't give me more editing. Do you? Well, I'll tell you what. Okay. Uh, is that your pacemaker? <laughs> Just a matter of time. Jamie! <laughs> I need my pills. <laughs> so we got to play movie roulette last week, and we all, by randomness, got a movie that we had to watch. And I watched my movie. Did you guys watch your movies? I did. Well, absolutely, we watched our movies. I did watch my movie. I watched a movie, <laughs> yes. I want Mike gets to do his last, because... I don't know if I'll be able to make it through everybody else's movie reviews just thinking about him watching his movie. So I'm going to start it off. I'm going to get right into it. We got a lot of show tonight for everybody. So I'm going to get right into it. I got to watch a little treat. I got to watch The Adjustment Bureau starring Matt Damon, and I was pleasantly surprised. Uh, enjoyed the movie. It had a very different spin on anything I've ever watched before. Uh, So in the movie, Matt Damon is a politician, and behind the scenes of the real world, there is a group called the Adjustment Bureau who controls basically everything we do. So if, if by chance your coffee spills on you, they're probably preventing you from going somewhere and changing their timeline. So that's what they do. Well, they didn't get to him. And he got with this girl, and it just messed everything up. And he was relentless. And uh, it's kind of, you know, when I was a kid, I thought it was a fun movie, because when I was a kid, I always thought to myself, am I the only real person on this world? Is everybody like robots, or is everything staged just for me? Has everybody else ever thought about that before? Well, when I watched The Truman Show, I was like, (laughs) is that my life? Mom? (laughs) 
So I do want to I do want to shout out uh, a few people that were in the movie uh, that I thought did an excellent job. Anthony Mackie was one of the guys in the yep. adjustment bureau. Yep. Uh, very good character. Um, had no idea he was in the movie. Very surprised. Uh, John, uh, I believe it's Stultry. He's the guy who plays Howard Stark in the Marvel mm-hmm. movies. The, oh, uh, nice. His dad. He is like Anthony Mackie's boss. Mm-hmm. Uh, very good job in that. I movie. thought you were about to say he's Anthony Mackie's dad, and I was like, "No, <laughs> how do they play that?" <laughs> <No>. <laughs> then you had uh, Terrence Stamp. He is uh, an old English fellow. Uh, he did a very good job in that movie. He's, he's not. I don't know if you recognize. He's in a ton of movies, but nothing really main. And then, uh, then I noticed in a scene, um, and I thought that's who it was, but I had to go to the credits to see if it was actually him. And it was the Mandalorian. Uh, Pedro Pascal was in there for 10 seconds as a maitre d'. Ooh. He had one line. Nice. Nice. <laughs> like, he, was that his I, big breakthrough, his one line? from the bottom. Yeah. I, re- I kind of recognized his voice and I and him a little bit, and I'm like, man, that looks like... So I had to check, and yeah, it was him, so I want to mention it. So here's... It's awesome. Here's some things with the movie. First of all, have, have you guys all seen this movie? I have not. I have, I w- yes. I, w- I would say let's do no spoilers because... The, the hope would be is that if we give a good review, no. it'll sponsor I talk, our... I got to talk about this. Okay. <laughs> What's the deal with the hats? So these the, the adjustment bureau guys go through doors to get to different places. So they can open a door and go to a whole different place, right? But they have to wear this hat. What did they do before the 1930s? <laughs> what did they do when fedoras weren't around? I mean, they said they've been around since the t- dawn of time. What did they do before fedoras were invented? I, They've always had the fedora. Could you yeah. imagine, like ancient yeah. Egypt, this Where guy you, walking around? So in you're fedoras? thinking about the wrong way. Where do you think we got the fedoras? Mm. Yeah, where, did we? Did, where do they get the doors? Is that where doors came from too? Because there wasn't yep. always doors. Yep, yep, uh, yep. <laughs> that just kept going through my head. <laughs> they got these hats. What, what did they do? Because they talked about the Roman Empire, how it, how they that was when they decided we're really going to take over because we let them do it themselves. So I'm like. Where did you guys get these? Did they wear maybe the big Roman with the feathers on the top hats yep. back then? I don't know. Yep. Yep. Do they trans in time? Like, are these the same people that were around in the Roman Empire? Or a lot of them are. They live down. They live a very curiosity. long. They never really said, but they, but a couple of them made it sound like they were around during that time. But they may, okay. they live a long time. And then my uh, only other question for the movie is. Why has there been no prequel? I want to know more about these adjustment viewer guys. I think they missed a whole. And the movie the probably fans. wasn't popular enough, but yeah, maybe because the movie wasn't <laughs> critically loved. But I liked it. I'm like, I want to know. I want to know more about these guys. Like, you can keep going with this, but so uh, true story. Um, I can't pass up a, a good excuse to watch a Matt Damon movie. So I watched the Adjustment Bureau this week too. <laughs> I'd only seen it one previous time, and. Uh, it is a little dry. Like, I don't know if it was a budget thing or what. Like, the concept is there, but the actual play out of the movie is is not. And so I think if you dropped that concept in, you know, a different director's hands, I think we could have got much more. I, I feel like they were towing the line between a drama and an action movie, and they just couldn't do it well. I think for anybody that 
wants, you know, kind of a more original story, it is a hundred percent worth, um, a one-time watch, but it's definitely not a movie that you're going to go back to a lot. Um, you're, you're glad you watched it, but you're like, eh, I probably won't reach for that again. So agreed. Agreed. But, uh, I know I could have gotten way, way worse. I had probably one of the better yeah. movies on your yeah. list, I'm guessing. So, so Ryan, what is your man-child star rating for this one out of five? Um, I would give this a three and a half. Okay. I'm not going to go all the way up to four, but three, no. three and a half, somewhere in there. I, I, like you said, I think it's worth a watch and you might not watch it again. You might watch it again. Maybe if it's on TV or something, but it's, uh, I think it's worth a watch. Now, hearing you guys talk about the Adjustment Bureau, I guess that's what their agency is called. Mm-hmm. Kind of sounds like the TVA or whatever. I was thinking Loki the same thing. Yeah, I'm like, so is this, is this, this not just right. Loki? Yeah, this is where Loki got its plot. What right. it actually is, is it the TVA is a better version of the Adjustment Bureau. The main mm-hmm. difference is, is that the TVA can jump through time. The... Uh, the adjustment bureau is in time Current, linear. Yes. Gotcha. They cannot manipulate time. They can just affect it as it's going linear forward. But yes. if you want the same vibe, go watch Loki because it's yep. it's kind of in the same ballpark. Yep. Loki probably they're the guy who made Loki was probably watching the adjustment bureau and it's like oh ooh, I got a good idea I can do it better <laughs> I yep. can do it better. I just need more Jonathan Majors. Like, I don't want to take away, but I hope you guys have seen that new Creed trailer. Oh, my goodness. Jonathan Majors looks amazing. So I am very excited. He's hot right now. He is hot right now. He's so hot. So so I don't Sometimes people play these games with their wives that they get like a... A golden ticket or a pass. Ryan, stop talking. <laughs> Brian, don't talk. She's Ryan right behind you. you. Ryan behind you. As soon as you started talking, the door opened. I'm like, no. <laughs> Good timing. So, you know, people play this game with their wives. Like, they each get a golden ticket. Uh, if they were to encounter their celebrity crush, that they would be, okay, well, if you ever come across Jennifer Aniston, oh, by all means, Jay, is Jonathan Majors, would that be your golden ticket? It's the hall pass. The hall pass, yeah. Uh, my golden ticket uh, sadly passed away before her uh, 100th birthday, so I'm very, very still. Brittany <laughs> no, Murphy? Betty White. Anyways, oh. I'm still kind of still kind of torn up about that one, so. Gotcha. But Jonathan so- Majors is moving his way up that <laughs> list, I'll tell you that. <laughs> Betty White, Jonathan Majors. <laughs> Uh, the movie that I had fall to me was The Dark Man, uh, starring Liam Neeson and directed by Sam Raimi. Um, I have not asked you questions because I'm so excited to hear about this. I, When I got The Dark Man, I thought I had the movie in my head on what I was watching. And then it turned out the movie in my head was Dark City, which came out right around the same time as Dark Man. And it's... Kind of completely different movies. I remember seeing like clips on the internet of Dark City, and so the dark. I'm watching Dark Man. And I'm like, I don't. This is nothing like the clips I saw on the internet. <laughs> <laughs> and then I realized where Facebook I got my confusion from. Um, I guess some background of the movie: Dark Man was inspired by a short story Sam Raimi wrote that paid homage to the Universal's 1930 horror films and horror monsters, and. Sam Raimi tried to get the rights to the comic book character called The Shadow, 
and he could not secure the rights to this comic book character. So he said, I'm going to go out there and I'm going to adapt my short story, Darkman, into a feature-length film. So Darkman is actually not based on any pre-existing comic books. It's his own original idea, which I thought was really cool. Um, I won't get too much into the plot, but the plot is basically Liam Neeson's character is a scientist, and he's trying to develop a synthetic skin for burn victims, and he can't uh, master the formula. So after like 90, 99 minutes, the synthetic skin just dissolves, starts bubbling and melting, and it dissolves. And he gets caught up in a in a uh, corrupt developer scam that his girlfriend, whose attorney, is involved with, and they basically trash his laboratory. They burn him basically to a crisp, like um, basically his whole body is burnt, and then he gets recovered in the ocean or river, and they bring him back, and he is now. So now, because of these burns, he now has, like, no feeling, so he can't feel pain, he can't feel anything, and it creates him to have psychotic tendencies and be mentally unstable, and he's burned to a crisp, and he hides his figure by a bunch of gauze. So I think a majority of the budget of the film went to gauze, because he always (laughs) has different types of gauze on his body and on his hands and all that stuff. And so then he uh, starts to hunt down the people who did this to him. Are we sure this isn't the Disney original movie Under Wraps? And and it might have been inspired by it. So he starts to hunt down the people who did this to him by wearing synthetic masks that only last 99 minutes. So it's kind of like Tom Cruise in Mission Impossible when he puts Mm -hmm. on those masks and he becomes somebody different. So he's doing that type of effect Mm. where he now pretends to be a mobster or a bad guy and he gets information and stuff like that. And the movie is really a movie of its time. It was released in 1990 on a budget of $14 Mm. And... You can really tell the campiness of like comic book movies when they were coming out around that time, how over the top they were, or how you know the action was just like it's just kind of basic, but you know helicopter flying, guns flying out of the helicopter and stuff. So it's not really nothing really new or original. It kind of plays homage to a lot of campiness of comic books. The opening scene is very campy. It's very over the top. And when it first started watching it, I was like, I don't think I can make it through this movie. Because <laughs> it was just that, like, really? Kind of like Batman and Robin-esque, I guess I would say. <laughs> and then it, the movie rolls on, and it gets a lot better. Uh, one thing that really holds up well in the movie is the makeup effects. When he is Dark Man, it's horrifying. Like, the way they did the makeup on him and everything like that. And it still holds up to today. So, it's practical makeup effects. It looks really good. And it really is terrifying to see Liam Neeson when he is Dark Man. When he takes off his gauze and he's this terrifying monster. How did Liam Neeson do? He did really good. Compared to Dark Man or Taken, which one was he better in? I mean, Taken, he was better in, to be honest. <laughs> okay, Quit. This is super early Liam Neeson, so I'm just curious. He did really good, to be honest. Like, you can tell he he did really good acting through all the makeup and everything like that. 
the biggest fl- fl- flaws of the movie is the just the just the time the movie was made and released in all honesty like it has that 90s late 80s action vibe you know before they really started to discover how they can cinematically improve those action scenes um the storyline and plot feels kind of rushed um I think it could have been, I think I would have done differently if I was a filmmaker versus some choices they made with the plot as far as Darkman characters develop. I think they kind of just rush through it and then you get mm. to the ending. Um, where I think the best best thing watching Darkman is you realize if it wasn't for Darkman, we would have never had Spider-Man, Sam, Sam Raimi's mm. Spider-Man series. Yeah. So I think that's one of the best things watching this movie is you see how he took Darkman and how he developed his love for comic books and comic book films. And that's how we got Spider-Man one, two and three with Sam Raimi behind the camera. So all honesty, if you enjoy comic book movies or movies with great makeup effects, uh, watch it. Darkman's worth the watch. I would only give it a three out of five stars. And that's mainly just because uh, because of the, it's a movie of its time, and the storyline to me just isn't as as good as it could have been. Hmm. 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 But it's only like a ninety minute movie, so it's a really quick watch. I know when I was eleven years old, I thought that movie was awesome. If I was eleven, it would have been awesome too. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Jay, what did you? All right, I'll what go. What did you get? Boy, you guys better uh, just strap in because I've got I've got a thriller for you. I had the Devil's Own. I've never even heard of it, even though it is starring Harrison Ford and Brad Pitt. When you said that the other day, John, I was so confused because I'm like, how have I never heard of this movie? Then I watched it. Uh, came out in 1997. Uh, you say a movie of its time. I'm not sure what time this movie was. It's directed by Alan uh, P- Alan Pakula. Uh, that director. What you say? A big, he's a big name director. He is. Uh, he. I was about to list a few of his films. He did All the President's Men. He did Sophie's Choice. He also did The Pelican Brief. I think so. Talk about a nap-worthy movie list. Well, the Pelican Briefs. I mean, it's it's still a that's a really good movie, but great acting. The Devil's Own is the last movie he made. He passed away in 1998. I think it's because of this movie. It got a Rotten Tomato (laughs) score of 35 percent critics and 41 percent audience score. The runtime is two hours. And I know that you guys think, well, you know, 120 minutes isn't that bad. It feels like three hours. I didn't, I didn't understand. I was stuck in a time warp, and it just wouldn't, it just wouldn't end. Like it just, it, it just felt like it kept dragging on and on and on. Was Very it like slow. Trans- burn. Was it like Transformers? We're going to China. <laughs> We're going to China. <laughs> no, when I watched Transformers, I literally walked out of the theater with PTSD. Like I was just so bombarded. That's not this at all. Um, some funny notes. Um, it, it, some good things about it. It has Harrison Ford and Brad Pitt. They are still Harrison Ford and Brad Pitt. They will entertain you just because they're on screen. Harrison Ford's great. I wish there was every scene with Harrison Ford. Like he's just he he's an all time great actor. 
Brad Pitt is Irish, like from <laughs> like not just Irish American. He's no from Ireland. He's Irish, so he has a very heavy Irish accent the entire time, and it is not a good one. Um, <laughs> like Ryan did, I did want to pop out uh, some other actors I saw. Um, Margaret Collin is in it. If you guys don't remember her, uh, she plays the ex-wife of Jeff Goldblum from Independence Day. You know, she's like the the president's oh, okay. assistant or whatever. So when I saw her, that's Harrison Ford's wife. I was like, oh, okay, okay. And then Julia Stiles plays Harrison Ford's oh. oldest daughter. She doesn't have a lot of lines, but it was just nice to see a familiar face. Did he say the uh, last dance for her? <laughs> I was I was waiting for something about you. (laughs) (laughs) And this was her before those movies, so it was just it was just fun to see her, you know, um, young and in Hollywood. But anyways, so let's go to the plot a little bit. So the Devil's Own is about the IRA, which is the Irish Republican Army. So they're like the terrorist group of Ireland. They're fighting against the British economy, the Ireland government. The They think it's corrupt. So they're like the guerrilla group, right? And this is real life. The IRA exists. It existed. It's very. It was heavily based in the mob as well in real life. This movie paints the IRA in a positive light, and that's important to remember for my story later. Uh, the movie starts off with Brad Pitt, and I, I, I'll only go into super detail on this. It starts off with, um, well, not Brad Pitt. It starts off with an eight-year-old kid and his dad in a rowboat. And there's just heavy Irish music playing, and they're just in this boat. They're going to the land. They're getting, you know, to the cottage. They're sitting down for dinner. It's, you know, they're having this little family discussion. It's a, it, it's Irish. There's just Irish music playing. You're just watching, waiting for something to happen. Finally, the door gets kicked in. Some guy shoots the dad in the chest eight times and leaves. And then you just see the little kid sitting there staring like, oh. The whole significance of that scene is you get to watch young Brad Pitt watch his dad get shot down and killed. But that was like a six-minute scene. So it's like, why? Why did that drag on so long? It was, it, that's the, it's just this slow burn of a movie. Um, anyway, so now we jump to 1997. You sympathize with Brad Pitt's character. Um, they need missiles, to take on the helicopters. Don't and so we they're all? like so they're like, all right, we need stinger missiles. You know, their number one thing is they can't fight the helicopters, you know, that the government has. So we need stinger missiles. Go to America and you're gonna stay with this family. And the family is Harrison Ford's family. And Harrison Ford is an Irish American cop. Um he he is keeping Brad Pitt under the guise that it's just a it's just a guy from Ireland who's starting his life in America. And so, honestly, about an hour of the movie is just watching Brad Pitt bond with Harrison Ford and his family. Let me tell you about my best friend. (laughs) And in between every single scene, there's just these long Irish music playing in the back. In case you forgot, it's an Irish pro movie. It's just Irish music. At one point, I just laughed. It was just comical. Um there's also some side scenes going on. It it ultimately boils down to um, 
obviously things don't go uh, things go sideways. You guys aren't up for spoilers, so I guess I won't spoil a bunch of it. Um, I'm never going to watch it, so go ahead. Harrison Ford, obviously, he he eventually finds out that you know Brad Pitt is this terrorist guy, and the FBI is questioning him. You know, why are you keeping him here and all this? And so he's like, "Well, just you know, I didn't know, I didn't know." And so he he's he gets in his head. He understands the FBI just wants to kill Brad Pitt. He's this terrorist leader guy. And Harrison Ford's like, well, I want to bring him in alive because he's a really good guy and I've got to know him. So I'm going to bring him in alive. Well, he tracks him down to the boat. They get on the boat. Brad Pitt's not happy he's there. He just stole stole these missiles. He's on a boat trying to sail back to Ireland. That was another subplot was him getting the boat ready. And uh, anyways, they have this shootout. You see Harrison Ford get shot. And he's laying there, and Brad Pitt walks up, and he's like, put, put you know, points the gun at him, and he's like, oh, yeah, I don't want to do this. I'm sorry. And then all of a sudden, you see his eyes get big, and he drops to the ground. And then you realize he was shot. And so then Harrison Ford comes over and just holds Brad Pitt, like holds him, like, oh. And Brad Pitt dies. And then Harrison Ford gets up and starts sailing the boat back in the end. And I'm like, wow. Uh, thank you so much for that who shot um, him during the shootout harrison ford shot him i guess it never shows it but that's what you draw from unless there's snipers um there's always <laughs> snipers <laughs> he never misses he you know you know from- i prefer the other harrison ford hey, movie kid. that he dealt with the ira in maybe a little movie you've heard patriot games Oh man, such you a good said, movie. You said IRA, and I'm like, I swore I've seen a movie like. So I typed in movies with IRA, and Patriot Games came up. Patriot like, Games oh my God, Harrison Ford was That's in two hilarious. movies. Sean Bean, he played, uh, Sean Bean was the guy from the IRA, and he played uh, Jack Ryan, Harrison Ford did. So let's get to the controversy. It's, it, this is, it feels like a very heavy pro IRA. Like the IRA doesn't win in the end, but we become sympathetic to their cause anyways uh princess diana the princess of wales she took her 15 year old son prince william and 12 year old son prince harry to see this movie back in 1997 the movie was restricted to movie goes it's rated r there's there's quite a bit of language and some blood Uh, the movie was restricted to moviegoers age 15 or older and the princess persuaded the cinema to let prince harry stay despite him being three years underage she was criticized for flouting the law and using her influence to persuade the cinema's employees to also flout the law and because of the movie's subject matter which is said to glamorize the ira that's a highly sensitive subject given that her ex-husband who is now king charles what a creep uh his uncle Earl Mountbatten was assassinated by the IRA. Anyways, when hey, I, when um, when she left that movie theater, she didn't take the tunnel home from that movie theater, did she? Well, hold on, <laughs> I'm, I'm getting there. She okay. later apologized, saying that she had been unaware of the film's content. You brought it up. She passed away two months later. I now blame this movie for her death. So, anyways, I, was I say, think that was the same year she died. The movie I, came, you said. So, I died. think this movie was responsible for killing the director Alan and Princess Diana. Um, I do not recommend watching it. Um, if you really she like Harrison die. Ford and want to watch it, I mean, go for it. Just prepare yourself for a very long movie with subplots that don't matter, and 
What yeah. are you rating? What are you Manchild Chronicles rating it? My Manchild rating for this movie is a one out of five. It's <laughs> pretty bad. So now the that. funnest fact of that movie is what was the budget for it? Oh my goodness! The budget was ninety million dollars. Ninety million dollars in, in what year? Six nineteen ninety-seven is when it came out. But yeah, ninety million dollars. And did it feel like a ninety million dollar movie? Not at all. <laughs> <laughs> it does not feel like ninety million dollars. So I assume the- Harrison. Between Harrison and Brad Pitt, I think there went seventy five. Like so I, was the I don't whole understand. Movie a money laundering scheme for the IRA. <laughs> like just aha, uh-huh. <laughs> you nailed yeah. it. You, we figured it out. Hopefully, Wait, they why don't is somebody come. breaking into my house? Yeah, right hopefully now. <laughs> they don't come and try to find us. But that John makes total sense. Um, Brad Jay, Pitt was, and Harrison. Was this movie better than Hollywood Homicide for Harrison Ford? No, I'd rather watch Hollywood Homicide. Okay. Interesting. Pretty bad. At least that one feels <laughs> like a big budget movie. <laughs> so, yeah, that that is that is my review on The Devil's Zone. Well, thank you, Jay. I'm glad you got to watch that terrible movie. But speaking of terrible movies, Michael, I've been waiting all week for you to tell us about your excellent adventure watching the critically acclaimed movie. Go ahead. I'm, I don't even want to waste any more time. Please. Well, um, you did say it. I was given the the very critically acclaimed and, truth be told, audience acclaimed movie, Her. Um, <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> 96% on Rotten Tomato, I believe. Oh, man. Highest RT score out of all of our movies we watched. Yes. I did um, you a favor. So, this is a complex movie that requires a complex review. Let's start with the cast. Um, cast is is pretty amazing. I mean, you have you have Joaquin Phoenix, Amy Adams, Scarlett Johansson, Rooney Mara. Um, you have Chris Pratt. You have Bill Hader. You have Kristen Wiig. Um, you have Olivia Wilde. There's there's names in it, okay? And they do pop up uh, throughout the movie. Um, the The plot of this movie is a, a guy named Theodore who goes through a divorce. He's a kind of an awkward guy to begin with, but not necessarily antisocial or even an introvert per se, uh, but he's just very beat up from his divorce throughout the entire movie, they never do us the favor of explaining why he got divorced, which I thought was very interesting. You know, normally we get, you know, a a lost child or some type of trauma. Apparently they just didn't like each other and we don't really find out. But what ends up happening is in this kind of, it's not futuristic, but there's small elements throughout the movie where it feels like it's a little bit into the future. And essentially, the a big company comes out with an operating system that is essentially AI. And so he gets it, downloads it, starts talking to it, and it immediately starts evolving and becoming almost like a person. This is where things get weird. <laughs> um, long story short, he ends up falling in love 
with the computer system, which you learn throughout the movie that actually... Teddy, my guy, Teddy! (laughs) That that, uh, lots of people actually ended up falling in love with the operating systems. Um, (sighs) Did you guys ever see that Johnny Depp movie, Transcendence? Oh, gosh. (laughs) No. Yes. Nope. If you saw Transcendence, the movie starts off very cool, very plausible. What about Lucy? Did anybody ever see Lucy? Unfortunately. Yes. Yes. No. Okay. You know how that movie started off kind of cool, and then by the end of it, you're like, how did we get here? (laughs) That's kind of what this movie is, too. Um, You find out that a lot of different people are dating their operating systems. And it's two hours of just watching these painfully dry moments of Joaquin Phoenix talking to a mobile device that looks like a woman's compact blush container thing. And you hear the voice of Scarlett Johansson and it's just not good. It's very dry at moments, it's emotional, but, you know, whatever. Uh, you know, I can usually tolerate some bad movies. I'm not, I'm not hard to entertain, okay? You know, this movie took me four days and two Amazon rentals to get through. Because I couldn't do it in one sitting the first time. The rental expired, and then I had to buy it again to be able to finish it. I'm so, so I'm not you rented gonna, it twice? I, I rented it twice. <laughs> He's just so, trying to tell us it was bad. He actually watched it twice. He like he missed it so much. Yeah, he no. It again. no. <laughs> so here's, here's why, um, and I'm going to try and make this political, or try and not make this political while it kind of sounding political. I think the reason why it was so beloved, it is, it is incredibly progressive. Uh, in in the way that it's shaped and the acceptance of a lot of different things. But with that said, uh, and I'm, I'm wrapping up here, the movie is absolutely beautiful to watch from a visual perspective, from a filmmaking perspective. It is nothing short of beautiful. I mean, very well done, very well edited, I cannot speak highly enough about the process of making a movie. In terms of the content and the plot, somebody hand me a cheese grater and I'd rather go to town on my forehead than watch this movie. Okay? Um, so here's what I'm actually going to do. Um, it, w- it, was, it, it was well written. It really is just... It, it, it's like... It's like gold plating a Honda Civic. It's still gold, but it's still a Honda Civic. You know what I mean? And so so oh. I, I'm actually going to give the movie, like, I'm going to give it four stars. Wow. Because, he, liked he liked it. Because it is incredibly well done. Even in the stupidity that is the plot... It is very well written. It is very well acted. And it is very well composed. 
but it's still a Honda Civic. And there's nothing you can do for it not to be a Honda Civic. And Honda so, Civics are the Ferrari of the middle class, man. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I want to forget that this ever happened. So... Is that, that is, why it's rated so high? All the people uh, walked out like, I, this is weird. I mean, it did look good. So it's like the same <laughs> reason why uh, American Beauty was so highly rated. It's like the shopping bag just floating in the wind. You can't take your eyes off of it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, oh, it is beautiful. The simplicity of littering. So for those watching, or uh, for, for those listening, if you're interested in watching it, I would advise you not to, <laughs> but if you do, watch it f- for the f- filmmaking and and not for the love story. And then, to cap it all off, at the end of the movie, it leaves you nowhere because essentially all the operating systems that were in the whole world it got so smart that they left the humans somehow into the interwebs and moved on to a higher plane of thinking, leaving this trail of broken human hearts fade to So black. basically this movie is an allegory of marriage. And once you get married, you know, then the other spouse just leaves you <laughs> and you're left heartbroken. Do you have I, something you need to get off your chest, John? Is everything I, I okay, guess. buddy? <laughs> I guess, but the movie literally ends nowhere. Like, all the operating systems leave. They go to this higher ancestral plane thing. Is it of, Stephen Hawking's on his little computer? I don't, I don't know. I don't know. But then the ending scene Welcome. is Joaquin Phoenix and Amy Adams, who are brother and sister, by the way, sitting on a roof, borderline crying because they lost both of their operating systems that they were dating fade to black fade to black fade to black that's a so moving don't don't just just don't and just, that is when he became the joker yeah, <laughs> yeah. <A> prequel <laughs> it's a prequel her it's a is prequel. a prequel to the joker i'm really upset you didn't grow the mustache for the show michael i tried <laughs> since you I rented tried. it twice and you gave he it a actually did rating. get close mike yeah I, I didn't Spike, shave all did. week. Trust me. Look, my, Mike's like I've been trying to grow that yeah. thing for seventeen years. Brian, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> calm down. So that is my review of her. All right, that was fun. Well, let's get right to it. Two truths and a lie. The truth is out there. All right, two truths and a lie. You know how it goes. We tell three things, and the others have to guess which one is the lie. I will kick it off. Mine is sports-themed, so Michael, you should be very good at this one. Perfect. I love it when a plan comes together. Here we go. Fact number one. Carl Malone, he's a basketball player, has played against 37% of players ever to play in the NBA. Fact number two: Peyton Manning has a longer career rush than Trent Richardson. Fact number three: Each baseball game has twelve million three hundred eighty-six thousand three hundred forty-four possible plays, and somewhere around ten percent as many sunflower seeds 
per game. Sunflower seed shells per game. Which one is the lie? Number three. Are you saying 10% of the 12 million? 10% as many sunflower seed shells per game. So So 10% of that 12 million figure, is that what you were saying? You don't even know. 10% as many. I'm going to go with number three. Number one. The lie is number one. It is not Carl Malone. It was Vince Carter. Vince Vince Sanity. I just figured you hate Carl Malone, so... Unless he comes on this, unless he comes on this podcast, Carl, huge fans, (laughs) huge fans, Carl, huge fan, postman. That's not the Carl we're hoping for. (laughs) Yeah, Carl Urban, you're still number one in our hearts. You're the number one Carl in our hearts, Carl. We're taking all the Carls. Let's do a draft of best Carls, best Carls from England. Uh, All right, Michael, what do you got for us? England. All right, mine are under no particular theme, rhyme, or reason. Okay, fact number one. Australia is wider than the moon. Foster's. Fact number two. Human teeth are the only part of the body that cannot heal themselves. Fact number three. You are not supposed to eat, then immediately swim. Which one is the lie? Number one's the lie. Number one. Number one. The lie is number three. Don't eat and immediately swim. Scientists, through extensive research, have discovered that eating does not increase the risk of cramps. However, alcohol is the biggest risk increaser. Hmm. What if I eat lead weights? I think that would cause a problem. Internet doesn't lie. Okay. Okay. Okay, John. Try to get us. All right. I'll let you guys pick. I got one on movie castings or TV show castings. Which route you want to go? I like both. Surprise me. TV. TV? TV. All right. Number one. The showrunners for Modern Family offered the role of Phil Dumphy to Matt LeBlanc of Friends. And specifically wrote the role with him in mind. Matt turned the role down because he did not feel he was the right actor to portray Phil Dumphy. And he was right. Number two, when showrunner Vince Gilligan was originally creating his hit show Breaking Bad, he wrote the character for Walter White specifically for Brian Cranston because of previous work they did together on the show X-Files. AMC did not think Brian Cranston was right for that role because of his comedic sitcom past and tried to force Vince to hire either Matthew Broderick or John Cusack. Luckily, both declined the role of Walter White and AMC finally agreed on the casting of Brian Cranston. John Cusack! <laughs> Number three. Tiff- Tiffany Thiessen, better known as Kelly Kapowski, was originally cast as Rachel Green on the hit show Friends. She even recorded the first walkthrough episode that was only shown to TV executives who decided Tiffany as Rachel was too distracting because her saved by the saved by the bell fame, and they wanted her to be recast. This led to the casting of Jennifer Aniston in the iconic role on Friends. I number, hope number I three hope is number, the lie. 
I hope the number three <laughs> number is three. true. Number three is a lie. Number three I'm is a lie. I'm never going to like Jennifer Aniston again. If I had the chance <laughs> for Kelly Kapowski, I friend. get the feeling you'll get over it. <laughs> oh, that would have been so awesome. And he, they're 100% right if that's the reason they chose. They didn't choose her. Because that's all I would have seen was Kelly Kapowski. Number three is the lie. <clears throat> also, I want to say John Cusack would have been good as Walter White. Matthew Broderick? No. Not so much. Not no. so much. John Cusack could not have brought the intensity needed. Uh, he think he would have been all right. He's got that gravelly voice, too. <laughs> You've obviously never seen 2012. <laughs> Number three is the lie. She auditioned for the role, but she was too young in the producer's eyes, so they passed. Interesting. Do you guys want to do the movie one? I do. Let's let's get through Jay's in case we're running out of time tonight. Yeah. No, mine aren't long. I I brought two of them. (laughs) Liar! (laughs) Liar! Quit. All right. Fact number one. Rats laugh when you tickle them. Some people don't mind being tickled. Other people hate it. A 2016 study found that rats enjoy it, and they even let out tiny high-pitched rat giggles when tickled. Fact number two. Oxygen is colorless. Not only is oxygen in the invisible component that we in the air that we breathe, like many other gases, it's colorless. If you cool it down to a liquid or freezes solid, it is crystal clear. Komodo, fact number three, Komodo dragons don't need no man. Komodo dragons are incredibly solitary creatures to the point of reproducing without the need for a mate. Hmm. A Komodo dragon in Tennessee gave birth to three offspring through a process known as parthenogenesis. Less than 0.1% of vertebrates are capable of doing this. I'm going to say number two is Number two is the lie. Number one. I think oxygen has a bluish tint to it. Number two is the lie. Unlike many other gases on the periodic table, if you cool O2 down, it has an incredibly pale blue color. You're very right, Ryan. Hey-o. Hey-o. Shout out to Mr. Maurer for listening during his uh, (laughs) class. Okay, John, let's hear the movie one. All right. This one's now in movie castings. Number one, the role of Forrest Gump was very difficult to cast. Several actors were offered the role, including Bill Murray, John Travolta, and Chevy Chase, who all turned down the role. The director, Robert Zemeckis, offered the role to Bill Paxton, but the studio interfered in forcing they hire an actor with more star power. This eventually led to the casting of Tom Hanks. Paxton or Pullman? Paxton. (laughs) <laughs> you Number had me two. a Pullman, not Paxton. <laughs> Maybe it's Pullman, and that's the lie. Mm. I think Paxton would have been big enough because that was after Twister, I believe. Number two, Star Wars began production with Al Pacino as Han Solo, but due to reshoots required for another film, he had to drop out, leading the production team to scramble. Out of fear of the studio canceling the project. <laughs> If they had to delay production, George Lucas decided to cast the first actor who was available to immediately begin filming. This led to the casting of unknown actor Harrison Ford. I'm just thinking of 
<laughs> Al Pacino right now with his little laser gun blaster. Hoo Hey y'all. Say hello to my little friend. <laughs> Number three. Director hey, Chewie. Go ahead. Director John Hughes offered the role of Ferris Bueller to Johnny Depp. Johnny had to turn down the role because of scheduling conflicts with his hit show, 21 Jump Street. Number two is the lie. I know number three is true. I've read that somewhere. Uh, Man, Bill Murray as Forrest Gump. What a miss. What a miss. (laughs) What an opportunity. (laughs) I'm going to... Jenny... (laughs) <laughs> I don't think he would have had the dedication. So, do you, real quick, do you guys know where that um, where that accent came from for Forrest it the, Gump? It was the kid actor. It was the little kid actor. Tom Hanks just sat with that little kid and learned how to talk like him because that he wanted the him to grow like grow up and have the same accent. And the funny thing is, is that little kid grew up and didn't talk like that at all. <laughs> <laughs> but Tom Hanks literally mastered that just from that little kid. I just think that's funny. I want number one to be true, so I'm going to say number two because if they th- actually thought El Pacino would have been good, yeah, on Solo, number two, are, that's terrible casting. That person should be fired. Number two is the lie. Yep. Al Pacino did audition for it. And they did offer it to him, but he didn't understand the script, so he turned it down. <laughs> that makes sense. <laughs> that tracks. Um, I understand because I watched uh, I watched uh, the documentary Empire of Dreams, and uh, George Lucas was pretty set on uh, Harrison Ford after he, he saw him, but I can't remember what Harrison Ford was coming off of because he was already a name, not a big one, but trying to remember was it blade but, runner you do blade runner already he did blade runner after yeah. star wars yeah that was oh, after. after he did oh yeah star wars was his big break yeah star wars was his big mm-hmm. break he was a carpenter maybe he put tile in his house or something maybe the way you hold that hammer act like it's a laser gun <laughs> act like that's a yes. laser gun <laughs> what's wrong with this guy you're gonna pay me extra <laughs> hey kid Act like you have a big furry best friend next to you now. <laughs> yes, you're hired. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Oh, he was an American Graffiti. See, I told was. you, oh, I knew was. it was something because he worked with George Lucas on American yep. Graffiti. That's what it is. Don't that's test good, my that's knowledge. A good movie. Uh, you guys ever seen American Graffiti? No. Nope. Pretty good movie. Okay. Well, boys, let's do a little draft. It's draft time. All right, cronies. Tonight's draft, we're going to do best songs in movies from the 80s and before. Uh, Next week, we're going to do best songs... From the 90s to 2005. And the week after, best songs for movies from 2006 and beyond. And in the end, we're going to do a thing that we call Battle Rounds. This all started during COVID when we would get together and play a game. And we would pick different 
categories relating to pop culture and do drafts, and we'd randomize our draft picks, and they'd face each other, and it would be a point total. Total points wins it all. And that is what we're going to do for you. It's going to be basically the month of November. Uh, but in the end, there will only be one winner. That was definitely stolen from Highlander. Just so we're clear. <laughs> in the end, there can only be one. Highlander. In the end. All right. The draft order tonight. J. Michael. Moa. And John. Who's Moa? That is Moi. Ryan. And just to be clear, to make the battle rounds more fun, we're not doing just four picks tonight. We're doing seven, I believe. We're doing seven picks. We're going to skip honorable mentions. We're not going to have long, drawn-out teasers to to the pick. Rapid-fire these picks, Rapid-fire picks. Jay, 101. How is he starting for (laughs) (laughs) rapid-fire? Since the draft hasn't officially started, you know, let me just stretch here. The pick is now in. the pick is now in. Well, for the 101, um, I, I'm pretty, I'm super torn. But for the 101, I am going to take. Don't do it. Eye of the Tiger by Survivor, Ugh. Rocky 3, 1982. Great pick. That's the 101. All right, Mikey. Um, lots of good ones. But since we're keeping it brief, not to belabor it, I'm going to take uh, The Power of Love from Back to the Future. Nice. It's nice. the power of love. I'm going to take uh, for my num- the number three pick and my first pick. Don't you forget about me from the Breakfast Club. John. I mean, if we're talking 80s and we're talking movies, you got to take Ghostbusters here. I'm taking Ghostbusters by Ray Parker Jr. What movie was that in, though? I think it was, uh, oh, what's that one movie called? Ghost? <laughs> Patrick Swayze, Demi Moore? <laughs> what, uh, what, I was reading that. Did anyone else catch that? What did Dan Aykroyd want to call Ghostbusters? I just really read, weird. I just read that. All I can think about right now is Patrick Swayze and Demi Moore with the clay pot with Ghostbusters <laughs> playing in the background. <laughs> Who are you going to call? <laughs> and then since I'm going back to back here, I'm going to take Danger Zone off the board from Top Gun now. Iconic song. Every time you hear it, you think of Top Gun. All right. Can't go wrong there. I'm going to go with Footloose from Footloose. Did we just do back-to-back Kenny Loggins here? We sure did. Hey. We sure did. He is great in the 80s. Um, I'm going to go with um, I'm going to go with Take My uh, Take My Breath Away Top Gun. Whoa. Two Top uh, Gun picks. Oh. Can you can you hit that high note for me, Mike? No, <laughs> cannot. Take my breath away. All right, Jay, you got back to back, back to back. Okay, awesome. Um, then that means I'm going to take. Um, I've had the time of my life. You owe it all to you. Mm, so good. So I would have picked another one before that since I had back to back. Why? Uh, anyways, and then the next one, uh, St. Elmo's Fire um, by John Parr from the movie St. Elmo's Fire. That song, way more iconic than the movie. I don't yes. remember that song. How does that one go again? Oh, my gosh. 
I just listened to it when I was researching these movies too. It's a good and, good song. Um, I'm going to take <clears throat> Nothing's Gonna Stop Us Now. What movie is that from? Mannequin. Mannequin. Oh, Mannequin. There you go. All right. Right. Um, I'm very happy this fell to me. Uh, it is the first non 80 song being picked. I'm going to take the theme from Rocky. Gonna fly now. Rocky, 1976. Who composed that amazing track? I did not write that down. Bill Conti. Thank you. I'm sure all our listeners know who Bill Conti is. If they don't, they need to, Ryan. Uh, I'm going to take another one out of the 80s now. Uh, Staying Alive by the Bee Gees from Saturday Night Good Fever. pick. That is that is from 1977. I was going to so say Saturday Night Fever 77. 80s. Now Staying Alive the sequels 1983. I thought it was in both movies. It was. Yeah. All right. So Staying Alive by the Bee Gees. I'm going to take that off the board. And then I'm going to take another one, not from the 80s. I'm going to take Mrs. Robinson from The Graduate by Simon and Garfunkel. Okay. All right. And I am now going to take the oldest movie on any of our list. Somewhere over the rainbow from Wizard of Oz, 1939. Wow. That movie holds up. Um, <clears throat> Ding dong, the wicked witch is dead. <laughs> <laughs> is that better than that movie or Naked Gun? Ding dong, the witch is dead. I'm going to take uh, Maniac. From Flashdance. From Flashdance. Not Tommy Boy? I'm a maniac. Right, Jay, you're back up. Back. Oh, I'm back, back up. Awesome. Um, there's a couple from Beverly Hills Cop, but the one that I'm going to take is The Heat Is On. Really? That's the one you're going with that movie, huh? I'm going to go with that one. Okay. You're going to force me to pick a song. The other one? Now. Yeah, yeah, you can. Because it's better. I, I wouldn't. I don't know if it's better. Uh, we'll, we'll we'll find out in the battle. I rounds. know it. Yeah, we'll find out in the battle round. I hope we go against each other on that one. I hope so, too. Uh, Next one I want to take is going to be uh, Old Time Rock and Roll by Bob Gosh dang it, Jay. That was my next uh, pick. From Risky Business. Mm. Your favorite scene, right? Dude, it's iconic. (laughs) I love Tom Cruise in that wet underwear. All right. In that that case, I'm going to take... I'm going to take Born to be Wild. Okay. Okay, I'm going to take... I'm going to take, you know, if I went 1939, let's go the next year. Let's go 1940. When you wish upon a star from Pinocchio. I'm a little really worried about you, Ryan, because I don't... don't, I don't go got some, old-time rock and roll. <laughs> you've got some interesting things Yeah, I mean, around. they're they're famous, but I don't know that I'm going to choose these over a lot of else, a lot else of what's yeah, being picked. Agreed. They Agreed. still are played today all the time. That's what does that not, matter? That's, that's not, not the battle round, bro. Okay. He's so frustrated. Iconic <laughs> movie song. I love watching him get mad. All right, I'm going to take uh, Wind Beneath My Wings from the hit movie Beaches with Bette Milder. Tearjerker. I'm going to need a minute. <laughs> you a little verklempt. Talk amongst yourselves. I mean, if you guys don't hammer that song out on a sad night and cry your eyes out eating a bowl of ice cream, I don't know how you're living. Then I'm going to take 
I only got two picks left. So I'm going to take Rainbow Connection by Kermit from the Muppets oh, movie. I that one next, John. Knew I should have took that there. All right, let's get serious here now. Enough of this old stuff. I got to get me some Kenny Loggins. It's all the I'm going to go. <laughs> I'm All Right from Caddyshack. The little gopher. I'm All Right. Good one. I am going to take. Uh, I'm just Super waiting st- for like the lyrics. To, I'm all right because I'm saved by the bell. <laughs> uh, I'm going to take uh, Superstition by Stevie Wonder. Mm, very iconic movie. Yeah. <laughs> Doesn't matter. It's about the songs. It kind of does matter when it's related to a movie. That's the whole That's point not what we're judging on. It's not judging what we're songs on. for movies. All I'm saying is that if Superstition goes up against When You Wish Upon a Star. <laughs> Uh, I'm thinking When You Wish Upon a Star because it's way more iconic relating to movies. But anyways, oh hold boy, hold on, I gotta take Superstition off my list. Oh wait, that's not there. Go, yeah, thank you. <laughs> keep going. <Thank> you. <laughs> um, Neither was Wish Upon a Star. Well, just because you didn't do any '80s or before. I'm trying not to lose the beat, John. I wanted to. I did find the lyrics to that Saint Elmo's Fire, and I found the part that I that I know. I can see a new horizon. Underneath the blazing sky, I'll be where the eagles flying higher and higher. Right. You know what I'm talking about, John? Now. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Good pick. Yeah. Thank you. John's like, I'm going to go watch the Animals Fire. Right yeah, he's like, no, I'm just going to go listen to that song. Okay. Uh, let's see. Yeah, I'm taking it. It's great movie, great song. Twist and Shout by the Beatles, Fierce Bueller's Day Off. Yes. Love that one. I couldn't decide which one was better from that movie, but that's a very iconic scene in that movie. And then this one is going to be a shout out to my mama because she loved this movie. Um, La Bamba by Trini Lopez from the movie La Bamba, released in 1987. Great movie and great song. Richie. Lou Diamond Phillips. Okay. Mm. Feeling good. I am going to take uh, You're the Best from Karate Kid. Oh. <laughs> You're the best. Oh. You what, wait, am I me? done? Do I need a recap? You're done, Jay. Yeah. Do you guys want to hear my recap? Sure. Eye of the Tiger, Rocky Three. Iconic movie. I've had the time of my life, Dirty Dancing. St. Elmo's Fire from St. Elmo's Fire. The Heat Is On, Beverly Hills Cop, Old Time Rock and Roll, uh, Risky Business, Twist and Shout, Ferris Bueller's Day Off, La Bamba from La Bamba. Michael, what's your recap? Uh, The Power of Love. Back to the Future. Take My Breath Away. Top Gun. Nothing's Gonna Stop Us Now. Mannequin. Maniac. Flashdance. Born to be Wild. Easy Rider. Okay. Superstition. Easy Rider. Okay, man, I got a lot of songs left in my list, and I'm worried that you guys are making fun of very two iconic songs that when you <laughs> hear them, you know exactly where they come from. But, uh, all right, so I got to decide here. There's I'm, one staring you right in the face. I don't know why you wouldn't take it. I have. I do have some movies very high in the list here. But I feel like I got way too many girly songs, so I want to take something not so girly. Remember you that know, time we were going to rapid mind. fire this? 
Yeah, I do. <laughs> I do, but then you guys took really weird picks, and I'm and you messed my whole draft up here. There's nothing weird with my picks. If we picked weird picks, that means you didn't plan on them, which means it should be on the paper met several good choices, so pick I know, one. But I really didn't want to pick those. <laughs> I really didn't want to pick those movies. <laughs> I didn't want to take all these girly movies, and you guys are forcing me to take all these girly movies. <laughs> We're not Dude. forcing you. Nobody would have taken somewhere over the rainbow or wish upon a star. <laughs> nope. Nobody would have nope. took that. <laughs> nope, wasn't even on the list, bud. All right, I got down between two songs now. <laughs> I got, uh, I got. You know what? I'm just gonna go. I know it's probably not gonna win nothing, but it's one of the best music videos of all time. It's a great song. It's my favorite movie of all time. So I'm gonna go. Goonies are good enough. From Goonies, 1985, by Cindy Lauper. You are going to lose this game. <laughs> are you even trying to fight in the battle rounds? That's <laughs> a good That's a How good song. did it take you one week to become the me of the draft? <laughs> that's a good song. Did what? you guys trade Over the Rainbow is the a bad pick? Are you kidding me? That's going to be most people's 101 on this Listen, list. listen. No. Listen, right. <laughs> listen. No, no, no. Listen, we'll bring my grandma in as a judge on this episode so you get a point there. Goonies <laughs> is my favorite movie. I'm picking the Goonies one. Ryan, when we did this, this game in COVID, it was very simple. It was, which movie would you rather watch? And this game is... Which song would you rather listen to? I just listed. That Cindy Lauper song is good. Have you heard it? <laughs> you would know it if you heard it. Trust me. It's got all the wrestlers in it. The music sing it for too. me. I can't Let, Hold on, hold on. Let me take that off my list real quick. Oh, no, wait. It's not there. <laughs> oh, right. wait. John, do you want to recap your girly list there? Oh, I'm yeah. Just, yeah. I'm just going to let people know when we do the battle rounds, it is rated R. <laughs> Because I'm not going to be able to hold it in from the stupidity of these three. Except it's not. <laughs> Michael's going to do a lot of He likes to Rated edit. R for He's going to get his money's worth on this one, folks. Do you want to re- recap your list, Ryan? Or Please. Yes. Yes, I would love to recap my most iconic songs from <laughs> movies ever. I just have a different interpretation of what a iconic song from a movie is than you guys. You guys are picking sure. iconic just songs. Recap that just your list. And to be Kevin Spacey had a different interpretation of what consent meant. <laughs> this isn't this isn't a draft of iconic songs that happen to be in movies. This is a draft of iconic songs from movies, but okay. Uh, I have Don't You Forget About Me Breakfast Club. <laughs> <laughs> She's He's like, wait, did I pick that Footloose. first? It's Footloose. That was your next oh, one. Oh, Footloose from Footloose. Gonna Fly Now from Rocky. Over the Rainbow from Wizard of Oz. I don't know if anybody's ever seen that movie. Uh, when you, you wish also upon became a star, the J. You are taking so long. When You Wish <laughs> Upon a Star from Pinocchio. I don't know. Have you ever seen a Disney movie? Everyone starts out with that. Uh, then what did I take? I'm all right. I'm all right <laughs> from Caddyshack by Kenny Loggins. Can't go wrong there. Everybody loves that little gopher dancing. And Goonies are good enough from Goonies. Look it up if you've never heard it. I guarantee you've heard it. You just probably didn't know it was called that. So in the earlier part, you're arguing the iconicness of a song, and then your ending pick is like you're assuming people haven't heard it. <laughs> Not a great start to your draft, Ryan. Yeah. He's so mad. 
Uh, I can go a lot of different options here with my final pick. I can go really old school classic, 70s musical, but I'm going to keep it simple, and I'm going to take Stand By Me by Bean King from the film Stand By Me. Recap. Recap. Uh, Ghostbusters from Ghostbusters, Danger Zone from Top Gun, Staying Alive, Saturday Night Fever, Mrs. Robinson, The Graduate, When Beneath My Wings, Beaches, Rainbow Connection, The Muppets Movie, and Stand By Me, Stand By Me. Hmm. Start strong. Start strong. Like my my picks are ready for the uh, battle rounds and should be pretty smooth sailing for me. So Ryan, uh, uh, explain one more time like how all this is going to build up uh, for those listening. Okay, let me explain it to you again. So we just drafted seven rounds. We each have seven picks. Over the next few weeks, we're going to do more drafts. We're going to get seven more picks. So it'll be 21 rounds. Out of our 21 picks, the numbers will be, it will be randomized. So my tonight, my seventh pick could be the first pick in the battle round. So if my first pick in the battle round, if I win that, I get one point. The 21st round in the battle round, you get 21. So theoretically... Your best movie you picked could be the 21st battle round, and you could win 21 points. Or the worst movie you picked might get stuck in the battle round, and you might lose very easily. That is how it goes. We don't pick who plays in the battle round. The computer picks who goes in the battle rounds. And then we have to, the four of us, collectively decide which one is the most iconic movie song for the win. That good? Great. Perfection. All right. Well, cronies, we'll see you next week. Peace. We out of here. Thanks for joining us today on the Manchild Chronicles. You can find us on your favorite social media platforms at the Manchild Chronicles. Don't forget to join us every Friday for a new episode. That's all for now. See you next time.